Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic, And we got our 2021 O-Line Year in Review, which put me in a horrible mood doing prep for it. But we're there's actually good conversation around a lot of these guys. Um, and we're going to, a little bit of combine roundup. We're not going to, you know, we can't, we're not going to dive deep into the underwear Olympics. Like, I, we're not, realistically, you're not really moving guys up and down your board a ton from this. It's more of like confirmation or it's like, okay, he tested bad in this. Let's figure out why and is it going to hurt him type stuff. Uh, in fact, I look at arm length more than anything at the combine. Justin, how are you? Threw in the line of underwear Olympics. Love that. It was quick. Yeah. I, I, that's more of just an NFL thing more than it was a Dave Gettleman thing. Like I've seen a lot of people that aren't like covering the Giants call it the underwear Olympics. But I, I seriously, like, that's what I look at full, the most, really, is arm length, you know, specifically on the O-line. You know, more so than, uh, you know, the shuttle, I think, would be the second most important because bench is, uh, I don't think bench is that important, really, to be honest. But it's like shuttle and arm length for offensive line is, like, the things I look at the most. Yeah, if you got longer arms, it's going to be tougher for you to bench. If you got the shorter arms, you may put up the better bench press numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, Bobby Skinner. Eight weeks until said NFL draft. I'm starting um, to get a little overwhelmed with like how much work we have to get done before the NFL draft. Yeah, taking it one day at a time. That's that's my approach. Um, I barely even know what I want at five and seven, and that's my conundrum right now. Where I'm starting to get a little bit of a better idea because you know having that humbling pill that probably two of our favorite offensive tackles won't be there. So then, what are we going to do? But we can cross that bridge when we get there, and when it gets closer. I'm doing well. Excited for everything we have going on. Yeah, everything going on. Nothing. Justin has been like hinting at uh, a video that he's been working on uh, all weekend, but you can't know what it is yet. Uh, let's uh, before we get into the combine talk. This episode was brought to you by two special people. It was Jeffrey Kopsick, which I feel like Kopsick is such a better name if you just flip those two words around. Like that's that's a sick cop. You know, like that's that's a sick cop you got uh, with those, you know, those shoes. And then Jack Donnelly, um, who's related to Ryan Connolly. Mm. Justin, who are these people? I don't think that's how that works in terms of... We do have a Ryan Donnelly, though, in our Patreon. Maybe they're Ah. related. Jeffrey, one of those people, they're in the chat right now. Jeffrey went to patreon.com slash talking giants, and he's hanging out in the chat right now because that's one of the perks. You get to hang out with us while we record the shows live. We're recording today's show a little bit early, which has Bobby Skinner on edge because, well, I'm on edge too, because um, news is probably going to break when <laughs> we stop recording. You also get access to uh, two month, two shirt raffles per month, and Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers, stickers, magnets in the mail. Bobby Skinner also posted another draft profile of a guy to the Patreon uh, Twitter page, which I always enjoy those, patreon.com slash talking giants. All right, let's let's do a little combine talk before we get into the O-line review. Who I would say is the biggest winner to me is Ahmad Gardner. The, mm. you know, Sauce Gardner, which I'm 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 going to I'm going to have to get used to calling a, a grown man Sauce. I mean, we uh, uh we called a grown man Jackrabbit. I called him I always I always called him Janoris. Wow. But at the same time someone pointed out it's like, "Well, you call Kadarius Tony a young joker all the time." True. So maybe call me young Sauce. Um <laughs> Going into this, I did my draft, pr- and cornerback is a position I'm not the greatest at evaluating. You know, I, I don't know the like the detail, you know, the details as much as other positions. You know, uh, but going into this, I was like, Ahmad Gardner is a top five player in this draft. Watching him, I was like, you press this guy up, and man, he's long. He just sticks to guys. Now he has, you know, just like J.C. Horn, he has to get a little better at not grabbing past the five yard mark. But I was like, if this guy can run, like you know, run, you know, have a, a ball in forty time, like he can. Like with this length at that six two six foot three length, like I'm I'm pretty excited for Ahmad Gardner. Then he runs that four four seven forty, and if even if they didn't change James Bradbury, like I think for the Giants, the 
biggest like combine like standout was Ahmad Gardner, you know, for picks five and seven. You know, like I think Ahmad Gardner is so good that say the you know the two tackles aren't there at five. And I would rather have Kayvon Thibodeau over Ahmad Gardner, but because of the edge class, I would take Ahmad Gardner at five and then deal with and and then reevaluate what I'm doing at seven, whether it's Kayvon Thibodeau following or you're taking, you know, fill in the blank edge, you know, a David Ajabu, Trayvon Walker, Carl Loftus, you know, whatever, you know, pick, pit in, fill in the blank with whatever guy you like the most out of that group. Like, he's at that length. Like, I think he's a top five player in this draft. Like, everyone says Kyle Hamilton is the best player when he plays safety. I think Amar Gardner is just a better player than Kyle Hamilton. And Ooh. then cornerback's a, like a, uh, a more important position than safety as well. Like, I, w- I would be baller if they took Kyle Hamilton over Amar Gardner. That's how good I think Amar Gardner is. All right. I love that. I do have major PTSD just with corners in the first round in general. Um, largely because it's such a difficult transit, a difficult position to transition to. I think it's corner, a quarterback and corner. And I think some may argue that corner may be a little bit harder to transition to in the NFL than quarterback, at least right away. I think quarterback is more difficult to be really, really elite at. That's why it's such a valuable spot. But the second that Wink was hired, my brain moved from edge tackle, edge tackle, and then the cornerback thought started to creep into my mind because that is what is important on Wink's defense. So um, I don't know if I'm down yet because, again, I have that Giants fan like PTSD of putting so much expectation on a cornerback in the first round and you're, you know, you take a guy top 10, they're going to start, right? You take a guy in the first round, they're going to get significant playing time right away. You put that expectation on him and a cornerback is probably going to have his struggles. Does he have the confidence? Does he have the, the kind of mental state of an athlete to bounce back from and have that short-term memory? We'll see. So, but and I, I'm thinking I think those it. press man guys, transition better you know like eric stokes out of georgia last baker year. was a press man guy but, but they didn't put him in press man they didn't use him as a press man guy yeah, yeah you know um whereas like i watch a Mark gardner be pressed up in man versus alabama and notre dame and not give up a single catch and be glued to those guys you know and he had reps against jameson williams before he got hurt in the na- in the national championship and i know alabama wasn't testing them that much that game but like against notre dame like he when he went up against his best talents when he showed up i mean just flat out glued to guys um, so he was one of those players like going into the combine. I was in love with Amon Gardner coming out of it. I'm even more in love with him because, mm. okay, now you have some confirmation of like, okay, that speed, he does have that speed to hang in the NFL. And he's long too. I mean, you were talking about arm length. I know that, you know, how important is that for DBs? I don't know. Very important. Like you look at all, all the all pro cornerbacks, they always have long arms. You know, the short arm guys never turn like, you know, they're, you know, you look at like the tw- the guys who have arms in like the twenty nine and an inch or shorter. Like Darnay Holmes is like one of the better ones. Yeah, and you look at so arm length combine that with his size, and, and then you look at his forty, and you know a weakness of a guy like Bradbury, of a guy like DeAndre Baker. Hate to be doing these comparisons, but this is just a Giants podcast. Straight line speed is not their strongest strength, and if Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Gardner, can be this guy that can have the best of both worlds of length, physicality, plus that speed. Awesome. Faux show. Um, so I, 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 I can see myself being like, okay, we're at pick seven. And it's like, you know, give me a Mark Gardner like when we're doing our draft stream. The other thing I want to talk about is the top two interior offensive line to me, Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson, kind of had opposite combines. You know, Zion Johnson... Hat ran a 4-4-6, 20-yard uh, shuttle. That was in the 93rd percentile. Kenyon Green ran a 5-1-2. That's in the 4th percentile. Like, really bad. Kenyon Green put up 20 uh, reps on the bench press. Zion Johnson, 32 reps. Now, both their arm lengths were great. You know, Kenyon Green has longer arms than Evan Neal and, and Enki Aquani, which is just beautiful. You know, as, like, the Kenyon, like the leader of the Kenyon Green train, that it's... It's a little worrying, but at the same time, you know, you do fall back on the film and you don't, you know, especially for a guard, you know, if a tackle was running that type of stuff, you, you'd be a little more concerned, um, even though Kenyon Green can't play tackle. But I think it's more like pro Zion Johnson. Like, you know, as much as I love Kenyon Green, like if there's a way you could get Zion Johnson in a trade back or somehow he falls to the second round or can't like, that's a dream to get. If, if one of those guys are in the second round, which I don't think will happen, that that's a flat out dream. Um, 
But if they do, like, if they do end up in a trade back, like, that seems to me like either an edge, like one of those edge guys that you really love falls back to wherever you trade back to, whether it's 19, 20, whatever. Or you go Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson. Like, those are both two really good prospects. But it's interesting that, like, the top two guys kind of, one had a great, uh, you know, day with Zion Johnson and one of, I mean, let's be, let's be real, horrible combine for Kenyon Green. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me to see that Zion Johnson's the better athlete compared to Kenyon Green, because especially seeing Zion Johnson kind of up close at the Senior Bowl, seeing how well he moved, especially when in those one-on-one drills or, you know, those individual drills with defensive linemen, you're kind of asked to move more than normal because there's just more space and you have to, you know, cover that ground. I guess, you know, I'm not, I'm kind of shocked to hear that. Would you say fourth percentile or 40th for Kenyon Green? Fourth. Huh. For what drill? The 20-yard shuttle, which is what, what I look at, like, speed-wise for the O-line. Like, I don't even really look at the 40s for the O-line. I look at the 20-yard shuttle. Yeah, fourth probably isn't what, you, <laughs> isn't what you want. But at the same time, you know, you did your film breakdown on talking football of Kenny Green, and just every rep of his just looks the same as a guard. You know, as a guard, that's what you, you looked at his 2020 film. Um, every rep of his just looks the same because he's a very steady steady football player and there weren't a lot of reps that at least you broke down where you got to see him out in space and if somebody who is just steady and he's strong um you know he utilizes those long arms for an interior offensive lineman and once he gets his paws on you uh guys just don't go anywhere so not surprising here that zion johnson's the better athlete but it sure it probably is surprising that there's such a dramatic difference. Yeah, I, I just wasn't expecting Kenyon Green's like performance to be that bad. Yeah. The the other winner was Trayvon Walker, the edge out of Georgia. I mean, he ran at 270 pounds at four five one forty. Um, just showed to be a freak. He's a player I have a hard time with though, man, because he didn't do anything besides the bull rush at at Georgia. You know, and I get that like, oh well, Georgia didn't. You know, their their scheme is a little different where they don't let those guys freestyle. But like, he didn't. Like, know how to disengage. Like, it was it was bull or die. Like, that was basically it for Trayvon Walker. So, I'm not as high as him on others, but you see his play, and you it's hard to not say, oh, my gosh, if this guy can put it together, start adding some stuff, like, this guy can be a game record that way a lot of other guys can't. And I, you know, the guy, the two guys I'm interested to see the way the league looks at is David Ojabo out of Michigan and Trayvon Walker from Georgia, because they're both similar where they're raw and they're green and they're ath- like really athletic they're and they're big but David Ojabo is the guy who's got a lot of pass rush moves but they're raw and they need refining and then Trayvon Walker is the one who has the more violent hands he's strong he's going to bring more pop to you but he just has no pass rush moves like um it's interesting to see where Walker ends up because you can make the argument for him at five and seven but you can also make the argument like this guy belongs in the 20s because he's like like at the end of the day, it's not about being strong and fast. It's about getting production and results every rep, and not just in sacks and tackles for losses. Yeah, there's a Twitter page that does a good job of, and I should know it on the top of my head, but Twitter page that does a good job of the composite scores of agility, forty time, bench, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Trayvon Walker, you know, had the same score, like a nine point nine nine, which I don't think you can get better than that. Nine point nine nine is Miles Garrett. And something that they were talking about on the broadcast a lot, traits, traits over everything. Where a lot of a lot of schools or a lot of evaluators are starting to look at traits over production, um, and I think especially for pass rushers that is going to have to be key. So maybe not looking at the the Curtis Weavers of the world who have a, a bazillion sacks, but you know if you can't move well, then you're not gonna. That's not going to translate well to the NFL. So I'm with you. We're interested to see how the NFL views two guys like that where I think we're both guys that we want to see you bring some pass rushing moves to the party, not just relying on one thing like AJ Epinesa, just relying on that hand swipe. Yeah, interested to see how that kind of works out. But Walker has those traits that you look for, and will will he be taken higher than Ajabo? There's people saying like he's better than Kayvon Thibodeau, which is wild to me, like wild to me, even though Thibodeau didn't perform or any of this stuff, kind of. Thibodeau, he seems like a curious case, but at the end of the day, he's a hell of a pass rusher, and I would take him. Do you want to talk about Malik Willis before we get into the online review? Yeah, why not? The reaction to that throw was kind of way over the top, in my opinion. Like, it was a 60-yard throw. It was a hell of a throw, but, like, every QB does that. Like, you go look at Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, like, anybody. For the most, 
anybody who's like a first round uh, QB, and I do think Malik Willis is a first round QB, um, you know, and not just because this draft class is weak, but because I, I, I actually, I like Malik Willis. I really do. But I also, I thought like, I thought he hurt himself. Like if you look at the throwing drills, he missed a lot of throws yeah, and had some erratic misses, you know, which is the, that's the thing that worries me the most about Malik Willis. Yeah. That's his is issue. The erratic misses. It's like, how are you going to be able to contain that? And then you look at his QBR versus pressure and not, which is like the biggest drop off like ever. So, but like I, I go and watch him versus Syracuse and Ole Miss, who were probably two of his better competition. I actually thought he played well in both those games, even though the stats might not look good versus Ole Miss. I just thought the combine reaction was like wild to Malik Willis. Um, I mean, it's even. like that every year. Isn't it like that every year for some people? But I was blown away. It was like that for that throw. Because that wasn't like, like remember the last year the Zach Wilson pro day throw, like that was a great throw. It was a beautiful throw. The Malik Willis one was, it was a really good throw, but it was like every first round QB should and does make that throw. And he overthrew it by a step too, which by the was a funny thing. Broadcasters sell it pretty good too. Yeah, like it was, this- it was a, it was a sixty yard, like sixty yards, beautiful throw, great touch, but it was like. There's not a, like a starting QB in the NFL that probably can't make that throw. So we're also we're, we're watching it on TV, but we were at the Senior Bowl, so we saw it firsthand ourselves. Yeah, Senior Bowl gets me more excited for Malik Wilson than that throw. When the ball when you're in when you're in person, the ball comes off of his hands different than any other QB, and I think that's why. Again, I think broadcasters sell it, and it's different when you're on TV. You know, seeing uh Patrick Mahomes <laughs> or you know insert QB with a strong arm here seeing a quarterback with a strong arm throw a ball in person is a lot different than seeing it on TV where cameras are following the football and panning over with it so broadcasters sell it and I think the reason why they did sell it is because in person Malik Willis's arm is live and I think that's very apparent do you think he's gonna go top 10 I do and I think it's kind of deservedly so to be honest yeah I, I mean, I, we have said if our re- at least for me, my reaction if Malik Willis is drafted by the Giants, it's excitement. Like I don't know if I personally pull the trigger, but that's that it's excitement if the Giants were to draft Malik Willis. Yeah, I I don't fully know yet, but he is the only quarterback that I would be willing to even entertain. Yeah, where the re- the rest of the like the rest of my reactions if we take a corral if we take a picket, it's like I'm not really for this. Um, not really for it, but Malik Willis, again, it's, it's the tools. It's the, the traits you want to invest in the traits and Brian Dable and Joe Shane saying that we want to put our job on the line with this guy. Okay. I'm, I'm for it because the upside is there versus the other guys. I don't know if that upside is there. And if I would not trust Joe judge to work with Malik Willis, but I would, tr- I do trust Brian Dable and Joe Shane to work with Malik Willis because they've earned that respect. They've earned that with like, hey, Josh Allen's kind of a wild prospect. They were able to get him. So yeah, I agree with that. And they have a they have a track record of letting guys develop through their struggles and not yes, and not develop afraid of their struggles like the way Joe Judge and Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens. Eh, Freddie Kitchens not really. Jace, Joe Judge and Jason Garrett did. Yeah. In fact, Freddie Kitchens was wild in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. Um. Before we get into the O-line interview, this today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. Live events are back, which means you can get $20 off tickets at SeatGeek with promo code GIANTS. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes you buying uh, tickets super simple. We've got I've got the apps on my phone. In fact, I'm kind of pissed off, Justin, because the next play comes the magic again. But it's on this next Tuesday, which is the second day of free agency uh, for the offseason. It's like, I just can't. I can't go to that. No. You know, like I would love to go, but it's like that. I know there's going to be stuff happening that day. It would be so irresponsible. So, um, you know, putting, putting work first in my life with that. But I would love to get to another Orlando Magic game in a SeatGeek suite, SeatGeek. Help, help hook me up, SeatGeek. But it, listen, if you want to go to, you know, basketball, baseball, if it ever comes back, festival, concerts, like all types of things, uh, SeatGeek has. Like it's, it really is the only ticketing app I would use and do use. They rate every ticket from 0 to 10 to make sure you are getting a good deal. Green means good, red means bad. It's just that simple, stupid. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Again, don't worry. 
about a thing we've got the hookup use use code giants for twenty dollars off tickets at SeatGeek. that's twenty dollars off your first purchase with promo code giants we also have an announcement make sure you click in the link in the description to download the app what's the announcement memorial day weekend we're gonna have some kind of event in charlotte north carolina yeah i'm a yes. little worried that like it's gonna cost money but I, uh, but I do want to know. We have a lot of diehards in North Carolina. I was thinking about maybe doing like a live mailbag with the people that are there um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, which would be funny if we're doing like a live, our actual like just live, just talking Giants event, and it's in North Carolina, not Jersey. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be um bringing, um, what am I trying to say? I'm gonna be driving down to Charlotte, North Carolina. So on, let's aim for a Saturday. So the Xfinity race will be done, and then so Saturday night of Memorial Day weekend, let's aim to meet up somewhere and film a live mailbag that therefore then we will put out on Monday. So I will bring all of the recording stuff. It takes just a camera, a roadcaster, three microphones, because I'll add. We'll we'll add. Um, if people want to come up and ask those questions, they can do that. And then there you go. That's going to be the event. Don't know where. Here's Let's, what I was thinking is we go to the truck series race on Friday night. Yes, we're leaving third. Yes, we yes, we can do the truck. I'm gonna do all three races probably. But I'm saying we go to the truck series race on Friday night and then like maybe the Friday like Friday bef- like before before that, like the race starts at eight thirty. <clears throat> we can do record the show at six o'clock from the parking oh. lot. Yeah. And just kinda have it I don't I we gotta figure out the tailgate scene for Charlotte, but something like that. My buddy has the, you know, my buddies that are that I'm going down with, that I'm driving down with, they have gone to Charlotte before, so I will ask them what everything looks like, and I can't see why not, why we can't just kind of set up a table and freaking do it. If one of our North Carolina people has a truck, like that would be, you know, perfect help. You know, we can literally and and do a live mailbag, like where we have Tim Coffee on, you know, Mister Brownstone, like have those guys on and just yeah. do a North Carolina weekend. All right. Perfect, and we're going to be buying our tickets via SeatGeek. To I'm going to be going to the Cup race. I'm going to be going to the Xfinity race, Truck Series race. I'll be buying my tickets via SeatGeek using using promo code Giants. Do you think I can try and get John Boy to expend? Uh, to can I think I can expense this trip, or is it like you're going to North Carolina? I feel like I'm you're not just going to, to. get us to pay of it for a vacation. I'm not going to, but. You can if you want to be like, hey, this is a this is an event that you could say that you're putting it on, even though I would be bringing everything. Yeah, it just would be weird being like, well, why aren't you doing an event in New Jersey while you're doing it in North Carolina? Also, we have Patreon. Shut up. All right, let's talk about the O-line review. <clears throat> this offensive line was horrible. You know, it. it Four out, four fifths of this offensive line was horrible, while one was excellent. Um, this isn't fun to talk about, to be honest. Like doing the prep for this, it's like everything sucks. But we'll start with the one piece that didn't suck, Justin. And that's twenty-three-year-old Andrew Thomas. Now he grew throughout his rookie season. You know, like he was he was a solid player by the end of his rookie season. But he was relying on athleticism. You know, the things that he got drafted for was like, you know, that athleticism, the strength. Like, he was relying kind of solely on that. Was cheating a little bit. Where it's like, all right, just protect the inside. Wash guys around the edge. You'll be good, Andrew Thomas. The QB's going to be stepped up at that point. Don't worry about it. So, relied on that. 2021, he has that preseason game where everyone's panicking. I mean, I mean, like, flat out panicking from that preseason game versus the Patriots. You know, comes into the season. And he's a baller, Justin. He's a baller. He's much more consistent in his sets. He's, you know, he's picking up stunts at a beautiful letter. Like he's just a consistently really good top-notch player. Like the the to me the best player on this team, the best building block on this team right now is Andrew Thomas. I know it's a team devoid of building blocks, but Andrew Thomas is the guy for me. You know, Andrew Thomas or Xavier McKinney. I'm taking Andrew Thomas ten times out of ten. And it's not even just because of the positional value. I think he's a better player overall than Xavier McKinney. He allowed two sacks this season. One on that last garbage time uh, drive versus the Bucks, And then one versus Robert Quinn, who set the Bears record for sacks 
this season. And every play was just going like, I'm going for the sack. I'm going, I'm going fast. And in that journey to breaking the sack record, congrats on the sack, Robert Quinn. Andrew Thomas dominated Robert Quinn that game. Had him on the ground six different reps in that game. In a game where we threw for negative 10 passing yards. Like Andrew Thomas dominated Robert Quinn. And he got away. He got one sack in that, in that game. And again, it, it was... You know, wasn't even a horrible rep by Andrew Thomas. It was Mike Lennon being deep in the pocket because everything else was pushed up. So he was an awesome player. Um, there's things he can get better at, and we'll talk about those. But to me, he's he's it's he's in that level right now of Rayshon Slater and Tristan Works. Like that's what his level is. You can make the argument for those guys or for him. And one of those guys was an All Pro this year. The other one was a Pro Bowler in Rayshon Slater. Now. Andrew Thomas plays for a horrible team in the New York Giants, and he had a bad start to his rookie season. So there's not going to be that buzz from the outside in. But I'm telling you, if you switch his situations, Andrew Thomas has talked about so much more than what he is right now. He's not on Trent Williams' level at this moment. You know, he's not at Taron Armstead's level at this moment. He does have some things to work on. But we have a franchise left tackle. This guy, if he stays healthy, is going to be here for the long haul. Two sacks allowed, like Bobby said, three QB hits, 18 pressures, and this is all from PFF that usually likes to overestimate things. Um, he ranked ninth out of all tackles in the NFL in pass blocking efficiency, which pass blocking efficiency is a... I actually like this metric from PFF because it basically kind of takes the pressures that somebody that you know they allow while also dividing that by the amount of reps that they have but also they put more weight into if you allow a sack. So if you have, if you allow more sacks, that's going to hurt your pass blocking efficiency. So he was ninth out of all tackles in the NFL and pass blocking efficiency. There's a lot of good tackles in the NFL and, and the ones that are like top tier tackles, they're very, very good. And they change your football team. And a lot of the tackles that you listed, Bobby, you know, Trent Williams, Rashawn Slater, um, they have good offensive lines, you know, pretty solid offensive lines around them. Andrew Thomas <laughs> has not really played with a good left guard, and he certainly has not played on a good offensive line. But even when Andrew Thomas was good and really playing at his best, especially pre-injury, he stabilized the entire unit. He stabilized the entire offensive line. Hell, he stabilized the entire offense and made them, you know, helped make the offense look somewhat functioning at some point. So, um, I'm yeah, with the you. Giants sack rate this year was average, you know. Yes, it was. Yes, and that was because Dan, you know Daniel Jones was able to navigate left guard through right tackle being bad because I mean Thomas was put on an island, an island. Like it wasn't like oh they're just helping him out type of things. Like no, they put this dude on an island and he was winning, you know. Whereas like in that first quarter of the season when you're still like it's like are we fully on Andrew Thomas quite yet? Like are, can we really be this excited about him? You know, in the Saints game I think was the answer. Um but it was like it's like man he's being I was like he gonna he's gonna give up I was like he's gonna give up a sack here I was like they are just putting this guy on an island they're asking a lot from him. like you know here's something people forget on max protect plays there's one guy who's left on an island on those max protect plays like you're helping Nate Solder you're getting the you know the right guard in the center double teaming the you know but like Thomas those are long developing plays and your left tackles put on an island you know and on those max protect plays I was like man there's got like Thomas just out of pure, like, probability is going to give a sack on one of these plays, and he never did, you know. Um, and it was, like, it was beautiful to watch, you know, where I'm sitting there, I'm, like, you know, that Bears game, all I watched was Andrew Thomas. Like, I just watched Andrew Thomas the entire game. Like, I don't even need to watch Mike Lennon in this game. He sucks, I know. Um, now, things that can get better, there was a correction to his punch being overbearing and lunging his rookie season. So now it was kind of coming from up underneath. I think he needs to find the middle ground of shooting those hands instead of hooking them. And then, again, not the not lunging. So I think that's a middle ground that Andrew Thomas should find to become an elite tackle. And in the run game, he was asked to do basically solely single blocks because the rest of the offensive line was so bad. Which, unless you're Mekhi Becton, you're not going to generate a ton of movement. But I felt like there was something to be desired. And without Shane Lemieux... And hell, I'll even say without Will Hernandez, there wasn't the same type of movement in the gap uh, schemes, you know, on down blocks and stuff, where his rookie season, even throughout his struggles, like he was moving guys in the run game. You didn't really have those highlight run reps out of Andrew Thomas this year. But again, that's something that, you know, maybe, you know, the ankle for one. And then two, having a consistent player next to him. You know, like his, yeah. his left guards have been Will Hernandez, Shane Lemieux, uh, Ben Bredesen, 
Nick Gates for a, a, a couple series, Matt and Matt Skura. Like he's never had West consistency. Martin. Yeah, and Wes Martin. He's never never had consistency out of the left guard, let alone good consistency. Shane Lemieux was good consistency in the run game when the pass game was bad. Yeah. Yeah, and Bobby, you talk about all the time while we're going these positional reviews. Mike Glennon had a career worst year with the Giants when he was on the Jaguars in previous years. Kenny Galladay had a career worst year when he had what's this David Blau right throwing him the football in Detroit at you know uh, through some years. Andrew Thomas had his career best year, only a second year, but took a major step up in year two when everybody else on the Giants offensive line had their career worst years. <laughs> you know, where everybody on that interior, everybody on that interior besides Shane Lemieux and Nick Gates, because they got hurt, everybody on that interior allowed at least two pressures every single game that they started. They averaged two pressures per game. Everybody on the interior besides Billy Price, so all the guards. Um, and, and, and we'll, and we'll talk about that, but Andrew Thomas took that big jump. He didn't just, you know, get, get better or have like the, you know, career year, quote unquote. He took a major jump from his first year where there was a lot of doubts on, you know, what, what he can be and what he can do as a player. Yeah. He could just became a confident player where you can see in his game, he was lacking confidence as a rookie. Even when he started getting better, it was like, you're trusting your athleticism, but like, you didn't see like that full on confidence. He just looked like a confident player. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing to have at that left tackle spot. Where confidence is—it's very important to have for that position, yeah. you know. So I'm excited for Andrew Thomas to build on on that and become a Pro Bowl or All Pro. You know, let's uh, let's get this Giants offense good so guys like Andrew Thomas can get more respect. Like Deion Dawkins has more respect around the league than Andrew Thomas because Deion Dawkins was on the Bills. Get let's get this offense good so we get Andrew Thomas some damn respect. Yeah, and um, Dan Duggan gave an update. Um, I just read a, his, uh, we both just read his notes from the combine and he gave an update on the ankle. He's already out of the walking boot. Um, Thomas resumed, uh, training alongside the other uh, Georgia guys, uh, Aziz and Tay Crowder at an Atlanta training facility. Um, and he's going to be, JT Alphabet. and he's going to be returning to Jersey with the checkup with the Giants medical staff, uh, next week. And it, the the expectation is the injury won't limit him from the offseason, but the team will probably still exercise caution. So there you go. You want to know something from his rookie year? And I'm going to bring this up when we interview him. Um, oh. You remember he was supposed, uh, supposed to be, I almost said it's supposed to be, like I was nine years old again. Um, he was supposed to be the right tackle. And then a week before camp, it's like, oh, you're left tackle. When Nate Solder opted out. Now, it could just be my brain because... In my brain, that was never a reality. Was that no. actually a thing that was going to happen? Yes, that was like confirmed, sourced up that he was going to be right tackle. We were aggravated about it. Cause I remember that might have been the most aggravated I ever got on they Twitter such... in 2020 was the whole, oh, Andrew Thomas should play right tackle. Like, they are such, Gettleman, they are such idiots. They really are idiots. I'm sorry. Like, they are. Their then... love for Nate Solder. Still. We'll talk about Nate Solder. Idiots. All right. Want to talk about Will Hernandez next, which it shows the state of the Giants' offensive line? Yeah. 26 years old. He's a free agent now. Had the worst year of his career. The flat-out worst year of his career. You know, where Will Hernandez, like, I thought he had a decent rookie season, but it was also like, it's a rookie season. He needs to build on this. And he just, to me, like, year two, year three, I know he missed half of year three because of the COVID. Um, but it's like, okay, he's got a baseline of like an average offensive line, you know, like he's not living up to his drafts, uh, spot, you know, like the draft pick is a failure in that man. But as far as just like being a football player on a team now, let's forget it. But I was like, he's an average offensive lineman. He can start like he's having him as a starter is not a bad thing. You know, if he's like your fourth or, or your fifth best starter, like, and then he just, I mean, absolutely stunk it up this year. Like, just stunk. He had the worst year of his career. His ability to pick up stunts was unbelievably bad. Like, unbelievably bad how single-minded he would get. It's gotten worse. In those plays. Gave us second sacks. Seven sacks. That was the most for any guard that didn't already play, that didn't play tackle. Like, Alex Leatherwood and Jalen Mayfield uh, technically gave up the most sacks. They're also rookies. Yeah, they're rookies who were playing tackle and then got moved to guard. Well, Hernandez gave up seven sacks this season. Um, 
you know, there was too many times where he was just shed right off the snap in the run game. He didn't move anybody. Um, his feet were so slow laterally, and he just he was just a bad player. Like a like it was unbelievable. Like it was like every game, Will Hernandez is just getting worked. Thirty six pressures allowed, seventeenth most in the NFL this year. That's an average of two point one per game. Um, that's not great coming from one player. Because also you have to think of remember from the right that- guard. That there's another player on, there's another left guard on the other side that's giving up two pressures a game. There's a right tackle that's giving up two pressures a game. And then there's a center that's giving up probably, I think Billy Price was 1.6 pressures per game. Um, so keep that in mind. Oh, two, two is not a lot. Well, when everybody else is giving up two, it's a lot. Um, all right. So, I mean, I'll, I'll just ask you this. Will Hernandez is a free agent. Um, do you even consider, do you even want him back as depth? At first, I was like, okay, you bring him back on the minimum. The conversation around backups. Like, your backup offensive linemen aren't going to be good. It's hard to find good starting offensive linemen. Even the, even the best offensive lines in the NFL probably have, like, a, a starter who's not, like, a good player. So, it's like, you know, it's, we're not talking about edge depth. Where it's like, you can have good edge depth. You really can't have a lot of good depth at offensive line. But the more I thought about it is, you trade it for Ben Bredesen, right? You definitely don't want him as a starter. Shane Lemieux, you know... You give him the opportunity probably to battle for a starting job with someone, which means there's another player there. And you know what? Like, there's a good chance you draft someone in the fourth, fifth round or something. You know, at first I was, I was uh, like, okay. But it's like, at this point, it's like, well, what's the, what's the point? You know, you know, you know, what's the point? He's coming off his career worst year. Again, if they, if they sign any player to the minimum, like I'm ne- I'm never going to have a bad reaction to that. Like, how could they? But when I'm looking at it, it's like, well, what's the point? Like, I'd rather try and get Billy Price on the minimum. Yeah, just new faces at, at this point. What went wrong? I mean, I know that's a complicated question, but Will Hernandez goes from this you know, second-round pick where NFL people, not just Giants people, but NFL people are like, this guy could be a steal of the draft, and you know, coming from relatively a small school, a strong, nasty player, 2018 and you know has a solid okay rookie year thinking he can build off of it and then just really didn't improve from that rookie year especially 2019 to 2020 was a complicated year then he just got worse this year what went wrong for will hernandez he didn't have the strength in the run game to be just a mauler he's not very athletic um and his iq his football iq sucks I mean, like he is, like he was so bad at picking up stunts. Now they was a little better when he was playing against next to Andrew Thomas, um, you know, and playing next to Nate Solder does make it harder to pick up stunts. Uh, but it's just like there's, he doesn't have anything great about him, really, you know. Like you thought, like it would be a run mauler in the run game. He's not that. Like he was all right again he, when he was playing next to Andrew Thomas. Like him and Shane Lemieux were, like he wasn't far off from what Lemieux was doing as a run blocker, but he was a much better pass blocker. And, like, this year he was a worse pass blocker than rookie Shane Lemieux. Yeah. Like, I don't know how it went that bad. Like, I don't know. Should we blame it on Duke um, Duke Mayweather, the O-line guy? Because he did train with Will Hernandez this season. Can we blame it on Duke Mayweather? Sure. No. He kidding. is his guys. Yeah. Um, can't do that to Duke. Next on the list, Billy Price, 27 years old, was brought, was traded for a seventh-round pick and B.J. Hill. Giants definitely lost that trade. Former first-round pick. Um, he actually got better as the season went along. Like the start, his start with the Giants was rocky. I mean, he was rough. I mean, he was you know tripping on his own freaking you know feet. Um, but he just fall steps every time. Like every time is a false step. So he's never going to be great in the run game. In the pass game, he got better, but you know centers aren't asked a ton. And and, it, and at the end of the day, his his season totals as a pass blocker weren't good. You know, like, like let's compare 15 games of Price to 16 games of Gates. Like, Price two sacks, Gates zero sacks. Price four hits, Gates one hit. Price 24 pressures, Gates 16 pressures. And that and is a difference between 1.6 pressures per game, and then Gates had one pressure per game, and that was Gates' first year playing the position. And think about this. Six of Gates' 16 pressures came in the first three games of the season. So he had 10 pressures in 13 games, you know. Uh, which we'll have a little mini Nick Gates conversation since there's not much to review with him at the end. Um, if there's one guy on this list that can be talked about being brought back as a backup, 
it's Billy Price, though. He was the second-best offensive lineman. He does play center. Um, you can play him at guard if you need him to. So there's that versatility. Um, but at the end of the day, he's just... The Bengals gave up on a first-round pick on a team that had a bad offensive line for a reason. Which was always wild to me. It's like, the Bengals' offensive line is horrible, and they put a first-round pick on the bench. But he's also a free agent. But again, if, if you're making your argument for paying one of these guys the minimum, it's Billy Price. But the NFL is so stupid that because he was picked in the first round, I bet you he gets a bigger contract. Than oh, yeah. Now. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like especially because he's a free agent, former first-round pick, and somebody's going to do the same thing that the Giants did. <laughs> Where they're going to, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to try and invest in this. We're going to try and look and see if we can find something here. Um, I'm surprised to hear you say, Billy Price and maybe not a guy like, well, I mean, Brent, Ben Bredesen's already on the team, right? Yeah, Ben Bredesen's under contract for the next two Got years. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just don't, I don't, I, if anybody's a free agent this offseason, I don't see the Giants bringing back any of these linemen. Yeah, and again, Price was stable towards the end of the year. You know, like if Price is your worst starter, he's kind of where Will Hernandez was, um, following 2019-2020. But for a guy who played center, he just didn't have the greatest, like, like I don't think he called things out well. Um, you know, part of me almost wanted Matt Skur to play center. Alright, next on the list. Nate Solder. 33 years old. The worst move of the day, Gettleman Air. Like, I feel very confident saying that. The worst move of the day, Gettleman Air. Yeah. Gave six sacks from the right tackle spot. <laughs> You know, and that was with other guys giving sex. Um, and I think we can merge Nate, Nate Solder and Matt Parrott into one. You know, we'll give Matt Parrott his due. But Nate Solder starting this whole season was a disgrace. It was a disgrace from this coaching staff. Every week it was like, why should Nate Solder? And again, this isn't this doesn't mean that Matt Parrott doesn't have his flaws. But Nate Solder was horrible. He got bullied around. He got bullied by these play, by NFL players. He wasn't ready to play in the NFL this season. You know, um, I remember ripping my hair out about the offseason conversation about Nate Solder of like, well, he took a year off, you know, he's refreshed, he had an in- ankle injury. It's like, no. It's like he admitted that he's coming back solely for the money. Like he wrote an article as, as, and, and not as bluntly saying, I'm coming back for the money and I haven't been working out. Yeah. You know, and he came back and that's what he looked like. He looked like someone that was there for the money and hadn't been working out. He looked thinner. He got bullied yeah. around. And the, David and the run- Deal. David Deal looked like he was in better playing shape to be an offensive lineman than Nate Solder. He he couldn't get any movement in the run game. You know he was he was a liability. You know like they had to protect Nate Solder. And it's so frustrating from this past coaching staff that you know Matt Parrott started one game at right tackle and finished it. He got injured in the second one. Like Matt, there was one game where Matt Parrott started at right tackle. You know against the Cowboys. And Matt Parrott played all right. You know, didn't give any pressures, didn't give sacks. They definitely gave him help the same way Nate Solder did. But it's like, why didn't you invest in giving the young guy, letting the young guy who has all these physical traits but just needs more experience? And I didn't think he was going to get much, you know, become a great player. But, like, at least let him, like, have the opportunity to grow. It's so frustrating the way that they let Nate Solder take the job from Matt Parrott and never gave it to Matt Parrott. Never. And, again, this isn't just talking Matt Parrott from the bench. The backup's always better. When Matt Parrott played... While it wasn't good, it was better than Nate Solder every single time. Every, I mean, remember how bad when Nate Solder had to play left tackle versus the Cowboys when Andrew Johns went out? And it was like, oh my God, he's getting bullied every time. You can't give him help from the left tackle spot the way you did at the right tackle spot. I mean, it was it was a disgrace, a disgrace the fact that they rolled this guy out every single week when they had a third round pick on the bench who had the physical abilities because at least he could move, help move guys in the run game. You know, he would have had ugly refs, but so so did. Nate Solder never letting this guy grow through this. It's so frustrating, and I'm so glad Nate Solder, I never have to to watch him on a football field again. You know, and it was a horrible signing from the start. In 2017, the year he ended up getting his contract, he gave up 51 pressures. That's more than Andrew Thomas did as a rookie. He 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 was never never worth that contract. He wasn't even worth half that contract. I don't want to hear anybody like, well, they had they had they had to do it. No, they didn't. You never had to make a bad player the highest paid player to this in the NFL. You never had to do that. You could have invested more in the draft, whatever way it was. But that hindsight and foresight was a horrible, horrible signing by the New York Giants. And the fact 
that, like you said before, they were going to play his ass at left tackle after having the worst left tackle production in the NFL in 2019. Gave 11 sacks, the most pressures in the NFL. He had the worst production as a left tackle in 2019. And they were going to let him play at left tackle instead of letting, again, letting Andrew Thomas grow through it. So they would have had Andrew Thomas have a better rookie season, but then let's switch him to left tackle and we got to rework the footwork and all that stuff. Wasting a year. I hate that crap. And then again, just this year. Oh, uh, well, we're not sold on Matt Parrott, so we're going to go, just because a guy's been doing it for a long time, we're going to give him that opportunity and Nate Solder. Um, so frustrating. Like, I, anytime Nate Solder gets brought up, I just get pissed off. Well, I don't want to talk about him anymore. <laughs> I just gave, like, a 10-minute freaking speech on which, him. Which it, was, which it was wonderful. So, uh, let, let's talk about Matt Parrott. Let's talk about Matt Parrott. Nate Solder, uh, like like you said, I'm I'm thankful we... Never have to talk about him ever again. Um, but let's talk about Matt Parrott. Well, Matt Parrott's kind of nothing at this point. Because when you pair the injury, he hasn't got enough playing time to... like. I don't, what is, what really... is his injury? Does he have an injury right now? He tore his ACL. What do you, oh, you don't remember that? Sugar. Yeah, make sure I get that right. Because sometimes I say ACL and it's like an Achilles or MCL. Um, well, here I can give you some numbers on his season. Um, yeah, torn lot... ACL. Oh boy, did not know Good that. Lord, you weren't that. paying attention those last few weeks. No, I was not. I, was anybody? Eleven pressures in the seven games he started. Um, the problem with Matt Parrott is that he has disaster games, and he had two games where he gave up four pressures each. Uh, one coming against the Rams and one coming against the Raiders, who have pretty good pass rushers for what it's worth. So if you take out those two games, five games started. Um, that's what four. It's three pressures. So. Um, that's five games sort of three pressures. Yes. So that's the only problem with Parrott is that he had disaster games this year. If he doesn't have those disaster games, which disaster games are bad, but, um, from the left tackle spot though. Well, oh, you're saying those games that were bad came at the left tackle spot. Yeah. Look when he's playing right tackle. Yeah. Certainly not great, but like, it's all right. You know, like the, the Dallas Cowboys game when he started at right tackle, people were excited about Matt Parrott. You know, like he showed that he should have been starting at right tackle once Andrew Thomas came back and they didn't cause they're pussies. Um, you know, again, like, and his issue, like his weaknesses, which is not punching, which I just never think he's going to get great at, um, you know, like bringing those hands and moving the feet as well. Like those can be overcompensated at right tackle because the QB can step up, you know? Um, so I think they could have had a year where it wouldn't have been good with Matt pair, but you felt good about him being the swing tackle at least like, okay, he's just, he can be the swing tackle. Um, and now you have a guy with a torn ACL, which isn't the giant's fault. And not much, not much tape to be excited about. And like, honestly, I don't think I think there's a chance he's not even on the roster next year, unless he's like a, yeah. a season long. He could be a season long IR guy because he has he's under contract for the next two seasons. But if he wasn't, if he like got back healthy, and you know, was like, no, I'm not going on season long. I'm not going on IR or the pup list or whatever. Like, there's a chance Matt Parrott's not even on the roster. He has a cap hit of one point one eight million dollars. Dead cap of four hundred sixteen thousand dollars. Yeah, so he only saves you know seven hundred thousand. Um, he should be back though. I mean, he's tore his ACL at the end of the season. Like I, I mean, he'll start camp on the pup list. Yeah, and they changed the IR rules this year. They changed it like kind of back to what the rules used to be, where I believe it's yeah. It's eight, the eight games, eight games. Or sixteen games. It's not. It's they don't have a. You don't. You can't and put you can somebody only do on the, three of them too. You can't put somebody on the uh, IR for like four weeks anymore, which was helpful. Um, can't do that anymore. Yeah, which I think I feel like like you should keep those rules, NFL. And again, if Matt Parrot, you didn't have any belief to start Matt Parrot over Nate Solder, then coming into this season with Matt Parrot as the option was unbelievably stupid. Like, unbelievably stupid that that's what you rolled into the season with and the guy lost his job to Nate Solder. Um, like, Nate Solder was only okay as a backup if you fully believed that Matt Pear was going to be your starter and you were going to let him battle through some struggles. And they weren't, they were afraid to even roll him out. They they didn't roll out Matt Parrott for a game when he didn't absolutely have to start due to injury once. Once. They weren't even doing the rotation for the majority of the season. No. If you were GM... Bobby Skinner, general manager, New York Football Giants. What is Matt Parrott's role next year? Cut. You would cut him. Wow. He's not good. 
and he has he has coming off an ACL. You don't even think he has like or just you use your use your I bring, eyes. I'll of, try and bring him back on the practice squad if no one picks him up. You you use your eyes of like how he's done filling in and then in spot starts. He hasn't been a train wreck when you consider we're not thinking of Matt Parrott no longer as the starting right tackle of the Giants. We're thinking of him as the the backup depth to Andrew Thomas and now the second string to the right tackle. I if there is an option and if there is a way and if health and if his health holds up, I'd say Matt Parrott is valuable as a backup tackle. But he's coming off a torn ACL. I know, but that's why I'm saying if the health is in line, which it probably won't be. Um, like you have to find a starter at right tackle. Yeah, I, I just don't know how you can bet on him even as the backup. Yeah. Well, Bobby, speaking of betting, give me your, if you want to keep four tackles, yes. But if you don't want to keep four tackles, then then no. But go ahead and talk about stuff you want to bet on. Speaking of betting, ready to feel excitement of the conference championships like never before? Turn your team's victory into your own big win with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. Illinois listeners, whoa, specific crowd. We have some big news. Mobile registration is back, and right now you can sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook simply by downloading the app right to your phone. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free all March long for a shot at over $250,000 in prizes. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY, bet $5 on any college hoops team to win, and get $200 in free bets if they win. If they win, you win. With promo code JOHNBOY, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, 21 plus, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Patriots cut. I got two things for you. I'll sure. start with the, I'll start with the light news for is you. Is this a lie? I think you're you're smiling and something you're I'm about to start, tell me is a lie. I'm going to start with the first one. The Patriots released Kyle Van Noy. Should we revisit and talk about Kyle Van Noy on the podcast for the third straight season? No, but this will be the off season that we do sign him. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for the next thing? I don't believe you. Whatever this is going to be. Giants cut O'Shane Zimenez. Hey, I mean, I kind of feel good that I predicted that. I said he was going to be a camp cut, but they should have done that. The Giants have not cut O'Shane Zimenez. Oh, I was trying to think of something I, you know what? insignificant enough to get you to believe. Can I? Can I say fuck you? Like respectfully, we're at the end of the show. Can I? Can I, can I say that? Well, I knew if it was a big move, like I wouldn't. It would be like okay, like. But you know cutting O'Shane Zimenez is something that I actually kind of want to happen. No offense, O'Shane, but... No offense. No offense, sorry. All right, next. Let's go through these quick. Because I, I, Matt Skura, 29 years old. I actually think he's a high IQ player, but the physical element just isn't there. In fact, his best game was versus the Saints, which was his first start. And I'm like, okay, like he looks pretty good. Like He, was, he, he held up pass-walking-wise. And then it kind of went downhill from there. Allowed two sacks and ten hits. So he was actually... He wasn't like god god awful, but he had some really god awful games where he was, you know just being shed. Like he was get he got blown up on a lot of plays. Um and he has no movement in the run game. Even on doubles he wasn't able to get movement with guys. Um and he, and when he was put on one-on-ones in the run game, he got shed and it you know the Giants run game was atrocious. 32 pressures allowed. Didn't even play a full season. 2.3 pressures per game. And that was the 26th most in the National Football League this year. Not great. Ben Redison. Do, do you do you, would you want to bring him back? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you bring him to camp. If he's cool. your, he could be your ninth lineman. Let's do um, it. Ben Bredesen. You have to bring this guy back. He was a round uh, four pick in 2020. Traded. Uh, we traded with the Ravens. We went from pick 108 to pick 172. To acquire Ben Bredesen, so even though it was a one-round pick swap from rounds uh, four to five, it's even bigger because of the Chiefs being really good and the Giants sucking. Never started on his own merit, you know, which is uh, frustrating. Yeah, I mean they they ne- it's, it's they traded this guy this for this guy, and they never wanted to play him. Now part of it is he got a hand injury, then an ankle injury, so he was never healthy. Um, but 
you know, week two versus Washington, who Billy Price, who had to come in a week later because he wasn't vaccinated, like, they are like, all right, we'll put Billy Price at center and Nick Gates at guard on a short week instead of just keeping Nick Gates at center and keep him, and putting Bredesen at guard. Like, I, it was kind of a weird trade for a guy you just yeah. didn't and have. We, and you know, we had, um, we had I, Ron I, on. I agree with the trade because of the bad situation they were in, but, like, it's it, looking back now, it's like, well, you guys didn't really have a lot of faith in him. Yeah, we had we had Ron on and Zach on, you know, recently, and they were talking about the disconnect between front office and coaching staff. Ben Bredesen's a guy that we trade for, and we're like, okay, like this dude can like compete with Shane Lemieux possibly to to start a guard, and you know, Billy Price is traded for, and we're like, eh, this is not great. We don't really want this guy to, we really don't want this guy to play. But Billy Price is the guy that starts right away over Ben Bredesen. Um, yeah, like I would have, I was very clear on like to play Ben Bredesen over Billy Price, you know, and I was even like, let Ben Bredesen come in and compete with Shane Lemieux. Like if, if if Ben Bredesen could beat out Shane Lemieux, I'm fine with that. Um, and they, the coaching staff, clearly just didn't see it that way. Because again, there's probably there was not probably there was a major disconnect between coaching staff and front office. Even though we thought that that was actually starting to come a little bit more together. Let's clean it up real quick. Shane Lemieux only played 19 reps this year. I know it sounds stupid, but on Whoa. those 19 reps, he looked like a whoa. What? Forgetting Wes Martin. Uh, yeah, we are forgetting Wes Martin. Um, I'm not, I don't have anything on Wes Martin. He sucks. Seven, Dude, this seven, conversation sucks, by the way. Seven pressures in five games. Yeah, and he played like 20 snaps in most of those games, too. Yeah. <laughs> Lemieux looked like a better player on those 19 reps. Pass blocking wise, he was always a good run blocker. I'm fine with letting Lemieux come in and either be the fifth starter or battling for a starting job. Like, I got no problem with that, you know, coming back from the injury. Like, I'm, I'm actually excited to see what Shane Lemieux is next year. Doesn't mean it's gonna be good, but I'm excited to see what he is. That's one of my biggest like fan regrets. What if if I could turn back time and change one thing? It would be to keep Shane Lemieux healthy. Not because it necessarily adds win or winner wins or losses to the board, but um because then Shane Lemieux could possibly be a player that's like, yeah, you know, maybe we don't need four new uh offensive line starters, maybe we need three. Um so because he was mirroring dudes like that, you know, that Denver Bronco game. I mean, that the main thing that I saw that I was really excited about is just seeing how he was just mirroring guys on pass pro. And that's not something that we saw, you know, from his rookie year, you know, feet and cement situations sometimes. Um, mirroring dudes very well, moving very well in pass pro. And it, and he was hurt. He was, <laughs> he had that uh, torn patella tendon, I believe, in his right knee, even during throughout camp and even throughout week one. But then he just decided to shut it down after week one and, elected to get the surgery that ended the season. So he was looking good. Hopefully he can come back and like you said, hopefully he can come back and compete. If there was one I'd uh regret you know, thing I'd wish that didn't happen, it'd be Nick Gates not breaking his leg. Yeah. Um I don't know. I think we're gonna I don't know what's gonna happen with Nick Gates, man, but it'd be a shame if we have to let go of a good offensive lineman. Like we look at think about the conversation we just had and we have Nick Gates who's a good offensive lineman and we just have to let him go. Which I think that is going to be the case. Do you think it is? I don't think it is. I think they'll try and rework something. Like, like, like with what, whatever. If his if his injury timetable is that he's going to be back for camp and ready to play, then I think it's like I think it's stupid to try and save a million dollars to move on. Uh, you know, to save a million dollars for a good offensive line. Like at least give him the opportunity to be a backup um, if he's not ready to be a starter. And if he's not going to be able to play like week one or whatever, or even this season, then I think you can kind of bring that to the table to Gates and be like, take a pay cut. Like, you're not going to be able to play this year. Let's rework something. You know, maybe yeah. we'll give you the same exact salary for the, the year. Like, you can rework something with Nick Gates. Like, I think moving on from a good offensive lineman, um, would be pretty, it would just be premature. Like, unless, unless again, we don't know as much about the medicals. If the medicals say he's not going to come back and be able to be a good full player, then, then you cut him. But I don't know if th- that's what those are saying. Yeah, my brain's at new regime. But also the new regime has shown, you know, more of a tendency. Like, we didn't think that they were going to even think about reworking Shep's contract. Um, they, they have at least expressed interest, and they've given that offer to Sterling Shepard. So maybe they are going to be a little bit more... Um, willing to work that out for Nick Gates, who is a good football player, just like Sterling Shepard's a good football player, but he gets hurt. Right. Um, 
So Nick Gates versus the world. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday kind of with our pr- – I'm sure there will be some news to digest and uh, our free agency, you know, our 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 free agency plans. Not full on like this is what the Giants need to do, but just kind of an idea of like what we would like to see out of the free agency for the Giants. It's going to be a lot less hectic than last year. Uh, so that that's for sure. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.